Hey everybody, welcome to uh, PLG Confessions. So we have a really special guest with us, Dan Fronin, who's currently CMO at Upkeep, formerly a CMO at Sendoso, and held many executive positions throughout his career. Um, Dan, welcome to the show and give us your, an intro, please. Uh, thanks, Sasha. Super excited to be here. Um, so a little about me, I'm a career marketer. I have been involved in uh, enterprise marketing, sales motions, SMB, mid-market, and uh, most recently at Upkeep, um, put PLG on the resume as well. So definitely excited to talk, um, you know, PLG, how it's uh, applicable to more traditional demand in ABM and um, how it's all starting to get a little bit mixed up from a CMO's perspective, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's actually start there. So um, something in our prep session that we talked about was the craze around kind of ABM and how it might be kind of similar to the buzz around PLG and what that kind of means. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, when ABM was at its very earliest of, of um, stages, it was called account-based marketing. And what people quickly realized is that it wasn't just marketing, it was actually marketing, sales, CS, and ultimately a business strategy. And something that that me and a lot of the teams that I worked with, we kind of came to the conclusion that account-based was really, at the end of the day, just good marketing. It was um, highly segmented. It was really knowing your audiences. It was um, designed to deliver at the right time, right place to maximize your investments and um, hopefully um, scale businesses rather quickly, right? Um, and I think PLG in a lot of ways is the same thing. It's um, definitely been a buzzword for past couple of years now. Um, and I think the more and more that it, it gets out there into the wild, um, it's getting confused with what it is. And there's a lot more to PLG than just product-led growth. Um, I think a lot of what, what needs to be talked about is who's at the table for PLG. How does PLG differ depending on whether it's a pure product in the product, converting in the product strategy versus being intermingled with a sales strategy or a combination of everything. So I, I think it's very similar in terms of where, where ABM was um, seven, eight years ago. Right, and building off that point, who should be in that room? So as I think about some of the companies that we talk to, we have a mix of operations, we have a mix of marketing, of course, sales. But now it seems like we're bringing in obviously product and CS teams as well into this. It seems like a uh, if you don't mind me saying, it seems like the table is getting quite large. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But like, so who who should be a part of this? And like, what's what what have you seen has been the most effective to communicate kind of the strategy of PLG? And you know, where do you start with all these stakeholders? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a it's a tough question, but from from my experience, um, it you should really have anyone at the table who is touching the customer in the life cycle. And it doesn't mean that everyone at the table should necessarily have an opinion or even chime in on the strategy, but they should be informed along the way um, so that they can be thinking about how a PLG motion might be impacting their team. And so that eventually you can get a holistic view of the customer lifecycle, customer journey, so that it's as good as it can possibly be for the entire uh, experience of the, of the customer. Um, that's, that's the, the central philosophy to me. And do you feel like 
as you know, coming from like leading marketing and the, some of the demand gen teams, do you feel like in this PLG world, is the job gone easier or harder and kind of why? Oh, in, in marketing, just in general, the job's gotten uh, increasingly harder, right? Um, marketers are being asked to do more with less. Um, a lot of companies are, they're either starting their journey as a PLG and then adding maybe a, a, a sales-led motion or companies are getting to a certain milestone from a sales-led motion and then adding a PLG motion on there. And every time that you add uh, a different customer type, a different way of landing or expanding, and then um, the data associated with it, you're, you're, you're um, creating complexity in the customer journey. And it's, it's really why um, it's important to have marketing at the table very early on um, to scale your efforts. And then, you know, as, as a plug for, for, you know, the audiences that you serve here, like operations is key to everything, right? They're the, they're putting in the plumbing. They're really thinking about the journey. They're managing the data and making sure that, um, that it's just not squirrely and all over the place. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like with the introduction of free trials and people, majority of people now going through product, or at least in your case, going through some type of product touch, do you feel like it's easier as a marketer to communicate with that, that there's more data, there's more things to kind of optimize on in terms of like a journey from a product standpoint? Or is it something that it's still kind of we're left in the dark where, you know, if I think about the old inbound kind of days, right, very volume typically focused, very much brand focused. I think about, I, I don't have a lot of control of what happens until somebody lands on our site. Whereas now yeah. I have, it seems like there's a lot more control you can do with product, how you can influence that. And, you know, obviously your product roadmap very much influences that as well. How do you, how do you feel about that relationship between, you know, what you can communicate and the data you get back, like the signals you get back as a marketer versus um, kind of how we used to do it before and just a purely inbound, purely web kind of focus type of mindset? Yeah. So, I mean, from, from my vantage point and, you know, particularly at Upkeep where uh, 85, 90% of all of our customers at some point hit a free trial during the sales process or just self-serve themselves. Um, there's no better uh, qualified lead than someone who has um, decided to try your product, right? Um, so first and foremost, that's, that's gold. Um, second, highest quality is gonna be a demo request. Third would be just passive on your website or looking at content, right? So when we look at uh, free trial, the first thing that we're actually doing is segmenting down to ideal customer. And we're actually looking at two different buckets. We're looking at an ideal customer, that's persona, that's also target account, and that's based on industries and geos that we do really well in, where we would want to actually get a little bit more hands-on with uh, that person in the trial to make sure that they're getting like the optimum experience. So we look at, um, we'll look at a couple different things. One is um, time, like time to actually um, sign in and actually do their first action. First action for us is usually a work order um, or a reoccurring sort of preventative maintenance setup and then adding assets to the platform. And um, our entire uh, free trial, I'll call it free trial onboarding where our, our SDRs are heavily involved is really um, taking them down that journey and making sure that they hit those milestones over the first seven, 14 days. And then driving them to have a, a larger conversation with the sales org 
because we've seen um, by doing that that we've we've achieved um, higher higher win rates and then higher landing deal sizes. And then on the pure product side, where we know it's non-ICP, that's based on vertical, that's based on geo, where we just don't have expertise. Um, it's much more product self-led, where um, there's in-app messaging. We've um, started to pop pre-populate the platform with data so that they can really visualize from day one, like what does this thing look like uh, when it's fully baked out, and then easily uh, make make it really easy for them to actually take that data out and put their own in. Because a lot of times, what you'll see is free trials where they're really not free trials; they're a demo environment where you're clicking around. I was just researching an essay. SEO tool yesterday and the same thing happened to me, right? So really um, two different flows, both geared on milestones of hitting certain product adoption that would show that they're using and becoming sticky. And how do you think about that kind of multiple funnels view, right? So you talked about product touch points being the best for you, hand raisers and then so forth, throwing down kind of the, the tranche, if you will. <laughs> um, how do you think about like, and how does your team think about these types of funnels and how do you like optimize them? You have hand raisers going, you have some product touch, right? Majority is at 80%. How do you, how do you generate demand for those? How do you think about these funnels about building them and then scaling them? Yeah. So when we're so heavy inbound business for us, and then we have an outbound motion as well. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, when we're running digital, um, we'll experiment with demo offer. We'll also experiment with free trial. Um, but by and large, what we've started to really do is is go out and showcase the value of the platform, why someone would want to use it, and then give them the choice of how they want to get exposed to it. If they they prefer a demo, get the demo. If they prefer a free trial, get a free trial. And I, I think some of the best companies that I've seen grow up through um, PLG, like the Zendesk of the world, um, have really kind of prominently had both CTAs very side by side, um, so that you can get the optimal experience. Um, and that's been that's been the philosophy. And then when you when you then ingest the data into your system, that's why it's so key to have a scoring mechanism in place and the data ability to be able to know who they are. Um, what their priority is to you in terms of like if they're going to go down the true self-serve path or if they're going to go down the um, the sales letter or, or higher touch path. And then um, and then I think on the marketing side, um, it's it's just been incumbent upon us to be able to build the content journey that gets both sides to uh, a successful outcome. And how do you think about you know, who or what skills I should say more so need to be kind of involved? Like how do you stack up your team to be kind of PLG ready? So a lot of our customers and a lot of the people that we talk to, you know, some are companies that have existed for some time, larger enterprises that are moving to the advent of using a product activity or product data in, in an upsell fashion, right? Call it PLG, whatever. And then there's also these kind of this notion of um, used, I kind of equated to the digital digital transformation age of you know there used to be companies that are kind of big monolithic companies that have now moved and now there's like this class of digital natives taking advantage of the latest technologies. I kind of think that there's a similar parallel going on with almost um, PLG natives. How do you think about these PLG natives and 
what they're doing differently and how do folks, you know, how do folks find the right skill set or how do you find the right skill set for your team to deal with these new issues that let's say operations or marketing haven't really been a part of for a very long time, at least, you know, at least in recent years in terms of like product data, in terms of these journeys, the involvement of product, how do you think about the skills and potentially the skill gap that you need? Yeah, I think it, there's two distinct skills here. And um, if you find one that can do both, then you have a unicorn on your hands for sure. Um, and there's like the, I really prefer like an operations minded um, demand gen manager. Um, so that's someone who really knows um, the marketing automation, the entire lead life cycle, account life cycle, and really knows how to apply a program to that. Um, the other side is, um, and typically companies will have a, a, a growth manager for the, the growth part of their product. And, um, you know, I've seen two flavors of that too. One is someone who's like heavily involved in maybe just the onboarding experience in the product, um, maybe the milestones to get them um, adopted and then converting. Or the, the flip side is that they take an interest in the, the marketing side too. But not to this, not to the point of actually um, necessarily coming in and dictating what the marketing is, but supporting and ideating on experiments. So I think when you have that ops-minded program manager and that product leader as kind of like your core unit, you can actually see some really amazing things start to happen um, because they're looking at the segments, they're testing at scale, um, and they're really they're iterating on like what the best offer value combination is to get someone in and then um you know building that all the way back up to where they came from in the first place and then hopefully scaling that and as you're thinking about scaling what are some of the kind of pitfalls that you've seen that kind of bumps in the road versus successors or seller and such catalysts you know where yeah where should people think about that kind of like how do i how do i scale it and do things right but like what are some learnings that you've gotten yeah, some of the learnings I've gotten. So, um, you know, at a, at a prior company, we were actually sales led and we were in the background building a PLG motion. And um, we spent a ton of time on on the right things early, which was what is the product experience? What kind of milestone do they need to hit? And then what what is that ultimate free free part of the product look like so that it doesn't cannibalize the sales side and eventually maybe actually creates like a, a, a funnel for um, conversion to larger deals. Um, and what we, what we realized very early when we started to talk about like, okay, how do we generate demand here is, um, we shouldn't be generating demand. We should actually be looking at our current database, current audience, maybe going back to what we've closed lost or what was non ICP and going and experimenting with that first to see if that offering would have actually gotten them in the door in a different way and potentially given us a different point of view on how our product could be applicable. Um, I from what I've seen, a lot of companies um, that want to add a PLG motion or um, are looking at scaling it actually don't have the fundamentals down. They just get a little bit more obsessed with like more, 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 more. When the answer is um, is the right amount of more converting at the right metrics. And then once you understand that, you go get more of the right thing. Mm. So it's really important if I was to summarize that, it's really important to Kind of understand i think about things you know as a marketer does like a two by two grid where it's really great companies to go after 
great engagement with your product or your brand and so forth. Great companies that you haven't touched, right? That's traditionally been labeled outbound, right? There's an interesting PLG spin to that as well. And then there's also this um, anti-ICP or anti-use case, if I kind of play off of your words a little bit, around yeah. folks that could be using it in some level, right? High or low, but aren't what you would expect. Have you seen, have you seen for those types of play, um, resurrection types of plays, I've seen it, seen it called re-nurture plays, right? Dig a little bit deeper into like, what does that look like? And why is that so important to kind of like mine people you already have rather than just going after more and more? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a couple of, like there's, there's heavily regulated industries like bio, pharma, um, even education from a procurement standpoint, right? When you get into higher education at like the university level. Um, and, mm -hmm. and what we've seen is like, okay, maybe there's not uh, an enterprise wide deal there, but there are pockets of the organization that need um, what we're offering. And um, it's not gonna be worth putting a seller on it to go and do that, but it is worth the product um, showcasing its value and letting this um, otherwise non-ICP come in, see value and actually um, adopt it and become a viable customer. I think where, um, where you have to be super careful is, um, is non sometimes non-ICP is just 100% non-ICP for your entire company um, because churn does matter whether it's product-led or whether it's sales-led um, acquisition. So the non-ICP is more, is more directed towards industries where we wouldn't want to put a full force effort in, but they're, they're great to have. They actually have a, a really great lifetime value. Let's figure out how to go out with the offer of going directly into the product because we know that they'll be um, long-term successful is really what I mean by that. And something that you also like mentioned that I wanted to harp on a little bit as well, which is this cannibalization piece. How do you think about that from the leadership standpoint of, you know, maybe I am a company who has a traditional sales-led motion of some kind, right? I have ideal of hand raisers, ideal of that type of mindset. I'm thinking about going into some version of product-led growth or using product data, right? I don't really know how to navigate it. How do you, how would you communicate to your peers at the, the leadership level about, you know, when you're going to launch a self-service offering or a free trial offering, you know, what is going to be the impact for sales and how do you communicate that from a like forecasting and a revenue attainment perspective where, you know, I guess the, the fear that I've heard from some people is that, oh, if I launch self-service, if I start using this buzzword around PLG, I'm going to start cannibalizing some of the, the sales or some of the folks I would have gone to potentially demo or contact us. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's an interesting question and at Upkeep, I'm, I'm really fortunate that product-led has just been part of the DNA of the company. So it just grew up on that. The forecast is predicated on that. Everyone knows how to deal with a free trial and what that part of it is. So I think, um, you know, when you're in a company where maybe sales-led motion, you want to add a free trial or potentially a self-serve arm here, there's really two different roads you can go down. Number one is you can be doing um, like highly targeted, highly like almost secret menu sort of offerings to different parts of the market. Um, I don't necessarily advocate for that other than early days of testing. 
The second is that to your point, you sit down with sales leadership, you sit down with CS team, and you actually look at how this complements the existing sales motion and how it can actually help um, propel things. So let's just take, for instance, uh, you know, if you're going to add a seven day free trial to this thing, then, um, you know, I think ultimately what you do before you take it out to the wild is you give it to a cohort of um, maybe net new pipeline that's coming in. And instead of next steps being a discovery or a demo, next steps are a free trial after maybe an SDR's booked a meeting just to see um, after seven days if they're actually a stickier, more advantageous customer, potential customer, I should say, or um, or if they've actually slowed down and either decided they don't want to buy the product or um, decided that they just want to use maybe a free offering or something. So I think it's a lot of testing, a lot of iteration. Um, I do think that the heartburn that sales orgs feel is real though. Um, when you do, when you do perfect a sales led motion and you start to get predictability around deal size, time to close, uh, it can, it can be scary. So I, I think, um, I think it's really incumbent upon, you know, the company at large and the company strategy to really um, have a point of view through testing on whether that's going to speed it up, make it more efficient, maybe because they're going to uh, bank on less sellers, or if they're going to try to uh, target a different part of the market with this offering where sales led may not even be interested in it. And, um, you know, when I think about upkeep, who's, you know, been around for seven years now, um, has PLG just baked into everything. What you naturally see is there's a certain audience that, that wants the free trial. And we have a, we have a predictable conversion rate from free trial to, um, to paid customer. We have a predictable, rate from free trial to sales led motion. And we see different behaviors in the emerging market, mid market and enterprise. And um, it, it goes back to that, that original philosophy. People are going to buy the way that people want to buy. And um, as of now, people are not looking to do enterprise wide deployments um, by buying in the product. They want to talk to someone, they want to vet it out. They want to see a demo. They want to see configuration, um, they want to see social proof and they want to talk to someone. So I think it's, um, you know, dependent on the market and what you're selling as well. And I guess for me, the philosophy has been as B2B kind of takes from inspiration from B2C, it seems that they're starting to become each year or each, you know, few years they are becoming more and more closer together where I always thought it was strange from my point of view that we treat a user at a grocery store, very different than a B2B buyer. Now, you know, note, there's obviously complex things where you have to go through procurement and legal. So I understand B2B selling is a little bit more nuanced than just buying a pack of gum at the grocery store. Yeah. Do you feel that PLG is a step in the right direction that moves us closer to treating buyers and meeting buyers where they want to, right? Like you, you talked about the free trial, you know, touching and feeling the product more so than we ever have, right? We used to have, as you said, curated demos, right? That are just, you know, here's a few clicks, here's some sample data. Maybe it's based off your industry or use case, maybe not. But that that's a very like, um, that's a very static environment, right? It's very guardrailed. There's not much I can do differently or explore how I can kind of like plug into other parts of the business. Do you feel like, do you feel, do you resonate with that kind of messaging that PLG is a, a journey to get 
to buyers quicker and make the selling in some capacities less complicated, right? Like it seems like there's always this song and dance of, gosh, I just want to buy the product or I just want to see the product. I have to talk to five salespeople, right? And I understand from a company perspective, I've done this myself, right? Of like, oh, I want to make sure you can buy the thing. You're the right person to do it. It's the right pain, right? Band, med pick, all these methodologies. Do you feel like PLG is a, is a, is a step in that direction um, or, is it, um, or is it something else all entirely? No, I, I definitely do. And I love your grocery store analogy. Um, if you think about the, the strategy of a grocery store, right? You walk in, you need milk, but you have to go all the way to the back of the store and you have to go through all these aisles that make you think like, oh, maybe I need this, maybe I need that, when in fact you need the milk, right? And then the second piece here, and, and it kind of goes back to what I'll elaborate on in a second, is when you go into the grocery store and you have your kids, there's a reason that the products that are for kids are below your waist because they want the kids to see it because kids are influencers, right? So if I take that and I apply that to PLG, and if you truly have an open place for people to come in and try the product, you're gonna get individual users of, of the product. You're going to get manager levels. You might even get a C-level in there that's poking around. Not, not usually, but sometimes you will, right? And um, it goes back to regardless of whether you're purchasing the product in the product or through a sales motion, you need influencers. You need people who are advocating and saying like, Dan, I just tried this new product. I've been poking around for a week. I want to show you what I've done and what I think the value can be for the team. My ears peak and I go, oh, this is amazing. What does it cost? Maybe I need to go get sign off. Maybe I don't. But I think the same, I think the same things apply. It's more around just building the right level stuff within the product and the right guided motion so that people can have those aha moments. Um, and be influenced to to act. I mean, it's um, do, that that's the beauty like of the, PLG, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you know? So, as potentially a, a buyer yourself in a lot of these capacities, how would you like to be approached? Right, like you. I'm going to make a leap here, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you you think about PLG, you think about where your revenue streams are coming from. Are you trying to tweak that every single day in some capacity? Now, you know, to kind of flip the script, how would you, how would you think about, you know, a team, trusting your team of like, hey, I have this use case. I'm starting to work on it as an end user or potentially even a power user in a product. How would you like to be kind of brought into that? Or how, how have you seen that it like works really well where, especially as we start to think about moving to a more enterprise focused use case, right? Like I'm, uh, I'm trying to pick big Acme company and I'm trying mm -hmm. to really penetrate, you know, thousands of employees or like, you know, multiple teams and departments and really create something cohesive. How should, you know, sales, how does marketing think about all these components of like getting the, getting to the buyer and getting the right message to the buyer? Is it about, yeah. is it really, is it about evangelism? Is it about product onboarding? Is it a mix of everything else? Is there something else? Like what, what like what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's a couple of different things. One is um, brand cannot be understated. Like if you're if you're going after a company in some capacity or you see some sort of threshold, like let's say that there's 15 people from a company that are in the same department on this product, um, get the brand in front of as many of the execs in that company that are applicable as possible. Um, get them to start understanding it. So that's kind of your evangelism piece right there um, through a digital standpoint. Uh, maybe even email and prospecting, but then, and, and something that works really well for me is 
um, I'll get pinged regularly by, you know, self-serve companies where my team or maybe like multiple teams in the company are starting to go in and use it. And they'll say, they'll just say, Hey, 50% of um, your team is on X, Y, Z. And that always piques my interest. I click in right away and I go like, what's the, what's everyone using now? And, um, and I'll go have a conversation and I'll figure out like, what's going on? Why are we doing this? And um, it's caused me to upgrade to an enterprise plan a couple different times since I've been here. So I think, you know, when I look at, when I actually look at your maturity model as, as a company, you know, and thinking, putting my marketing hat on like that product usage data within the CRM is like right down the center. And it's funny because um, all most, most companies do have product data in their system for CS reasons, but, and going back to your thought around more PLG natives, the PLG natives that are starting to come into businesses are connecting the dots and going like, huh, like the product uses data is already here. Like I could run some really cool demand campaigns off of that. So I feel like that's all starting to come together and it's actually resonating pretty hard for, for me at least. All right. So if I was to say that another way that it seems that the um, trusting your team and understanding that, you know, you hire great people to go do things, the job that they need to do, you trust that if they're excited that they can bring something to you and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this. I think it has this impact for the business. You know, I, I've perhaps done a pilot or demoing it. However, the usage has happened. And then, and then that's, that's enough of a trigger for you to be like, oh, I'm, I'm interested. Like, this is something that I should be thinking about. Absolutely. Um, is, that, is that correct? And then would, yep. you, would you add anything else to, as companies have um, kind of like, as you mentioned at Upkeep, where product usage is kind of ingrained in the culture and how you go to market, how do you think that has changed or potentially even accelerated the business at upkeep or at other places, perhaps even more generally, like how does the, the advent of using product data and creating these journeys, what's been the impact of it versus what you've seen, you know, prior as, as, as a leader, like what was the, you know, is there like a, almost a cultural palatable difference between those two things? Yep. Um, I think, you know, one thing that I think about a lot and something we haven't talked about a ton here is, um, PLG is it's related to, to expansion within your customers, right? So um, for me, um, you know, we, we've actually mapped like our use cases, our customer types, and then um, what the product usage needs to look like to really indicate a healthy customer. So in, in, in concert with the product org, with the CS org, really starting to develop content programs that incentivize and, and try to educate on getting to that product usage uh, milestone so that they become um, more applicable to expand their use cases. And that's, you know, ultimately created um, upsell opportunities. It's created um, better net retention as a result. It's actually created better gross retention as well because they start to realize the full use case. Um, so that's, that's how we've really been applying it. I think when you when you look at, um, you know, like the, the new business side, I, I kind of go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier around um, like the, the onboarding experience and self-guided, or if it's a little bit more hands-on and, and being a little bit more, um, you know, 
broad in like what the milestones are, like set up the work order, get your reoccurring um, in there, get an asset in there, get some parts and inventory in there as like the ways that show the, the use case in the full life cycle. Gotcha. And as you're thinking about the kind of a full life cycle, who are your kind of like stakeholders and how do you keep uh, alignment across all these teams of how to try experiments, how to kind of improve something that's already kind of working, right? If I was to zoom out, it seems, you know, in many ways quite complicated. Now we have this introduction of product where, you know, sure product and engineering teams, especially coming from the, the ISO CIO selling type of mindset have dealt with some telemetry data in the past, right? Like my, my point of view is that PLG isn't that new. It's just a rebranding of that right now. It's just more ubiquitous on the market. How do you think about this a framework or how do you get all these people on the same page going and kind of collaborating and iterating? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, first and foremost, it's a racy. So, you know, who's responsible, accountable, um, and then just sitting down and hammering through that. Because to your point, like when you look at um, everything that has to happen across any kind of journey like this, it can get overly complicated really, really quickly. Um, besides the racy, I, I actually think it's important to go back a level and talk about the why in the first place. Like, are you, are you trying to like take a subset of your audience and actually put them into a sales led motion because you think you can get more out of it? Are you trying to work a non ICP because you think you can increase revenue there? Um, do you have a, and then something about PLG that I love as well is, um, is there an opportunity for the product to do more of the work from an onboarding standpoint, um, create those aha moments that just surprise and delight users and customers, right? So I think it, it's important to, to align on that strategy first and foremost, the metrics that are associated with it. And then I think you bring up a big uh, thing here, which is, um, which is like with so many things going on, so I think the key question is like, is this, is this something that's going to add success to the business or is it just an experiment for experiment's sake? Um, so I think it's important to have those conversations up front before you then get into the racy and the execution piece. And then overall, as you think about different components of plugging in product usage or product-led growth into different parts of the business, do you feel like holistically, like overall, is it a an accelerant and that benefit or is it a distraction for some companies right like we, we started to touch on this just just now around you want it to be a catalytic event you want to if you're going to invest these heavy resources into figuring out how to get this data formatted iterating it right it, it is not an easy challenge by any means it's a fun challenge perhaps for some but it's not an easy one do you think that it is this motion or this this framework, this methodology is helping, uh, you know, if you had to like, you know, place your executive hat and you had to like place a bet, are you betting more on, you know, reds that they are, are kind of working? Are you betting more on kind of blacks from the roulette perspective analogy? Like, are you, are you betting that more companies are going to fail and realize that product-led growth isn't for them or isn't helping them as much as it's a distraction? Or do you feel like in the long term, it's actually going to be more of an accelerant? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's such an interesting question. And, um, 
I think, I mean, I think about different sorts of companies, right? So look at like hardcore um, CPQ contract lifecycle management rev rec, where you have to get deep into the company. There's deep systems, there's deep workflow, there's deep customization, like product led's not going to work there for a landing, but product led will work for adoption, stickiness, and, um, and ultimate success of the company once it's deployed. So I think it's, it's really kind of applying the lens of where is product led going to help? Is it going to help me land or is it actually going to distract me from landing the way that we know we need to land? Is it going to help me expand or do I actually need to have another sales process for expansion? So first and foremost, it's identifying that. And it, and it goes back to our, our original conversation around, you know, PLG being like a buzzword in a very, very generalized strategy. Um, when most people think of it as like, oh, product led growth, like drive as much into the, that funnel as possible and let it become self-serve. It's like, no, that's just not even close to what it is. So um, it's, it's highly contingent upon business strategy and knowing um, what you're trying to solve for versus just adding it and then putting your finger in the wind to see which way it's blowing. It, it seems like it's a, it's almost like a, you have to, I always think about this, that you have to apply common sense and business strategies to things like doesn't make sense, right? What you described is almost kind of like, I always think about all these new technologies and these movements as tools in your toolkit that you can use for some businesses. Yep. It's really impactful for some, it's, it's not at all. Right. Yep. If I think that, you know, I'm a very heavy digital business, you know, maybe the world's best event platform really doesn't matter to me. Right. I don't care too much about it. Um, and same goes kind of for ABM and I would quite argue for PLG. Would you say that a lot of the successes really comes down to, again, where I'll say kind of a little bit of common sense or in some ingenuity of, okay, let me zoom out and what makes sense? Does it make sense to plug in a free trial, a product touch point at this part of the funnel, as opposed to just doing it because your VCs or, you know, some other force, your boss's boss, quote unquote, just says it's something that's sexy or should be done. Like, ah, oh, we want to, you know, it's like the same wave of like AI machine learning, like you slap on a tag of AI and suddenly you're, <laughs> You're, you're a better company for it. Do, do yep. you feel like it's that same kind of mindset that it has to be an intentional process? And how do you think about creating that intentional process with your own? Yeah. Team? Yeah. I mean, it has to be intentional for sure. And I think, you know, for, for me and at my level, I have the benefit of being able to like ask why and um, get down to the crux of the strategy um, for people that maybe are a couple levels removed from that. Um, it's incumbent upon, upon them to still ask why, right? And to to really push for like a holistic view of everything. Cause that if I put my my myself in like the the seat of marketing operations where um, maybe like you're in a production meeting and the ask comes up that, hey, we need to, you know, develop this workflow and this this um, this nurture journey for our new PLG motion. Like okay, but why? And how's that related to everything else? So I think the combination of everyone asking why and demanding that the strategy be there uh, is a very, very healthy thing and will ultimately make it a lot more successful. Um, but sometimes like you're going to be told to do something and, um, and you're going to just have to do it. I mean, that's sometimes that's the way business goes. Um, so I think at the very least asking why and connecting it to strategy so you can at least make it meaningful and um, as successful as you possibly can. 
Gotcha. Well, Dan, we're actually going to change pace a little bit. I'm going to go into a rapid fire moment. Um, I'm going to ask you kind of a few questions. Give me kind of off the cuff, short answers. Uh, let's see what you kind of have. Are you ready? Sure. Awesome. So kind of first questions, um, how many funnels or motions does your company run and which has been more most successful? Thinking about like self-serve, sales assistant, et cetera. Like how many are you running and which one has been the most successful? Yeah. So I guess from a defined motion, we have self-serve. We've got a landing sales motion with three segments. And then we've got like what I would call an expansion motion. Um, I'd honestly say that our, our most successful motion has actually been our expansion motion recently because of um, like all the expansion that's available in the customer base. Awesome. And what's the most important tool in your tech stack from your perspective? Gosh, um, I think it, it varies by um, varies by situation, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to good old Salesforce. Like I, I don't think it gets enough credit sometimes. It's literally my central repository for everything, including product usage. Got it. Um, if you were building a PLG team from scratch, uh, what role would you hire for first? Yeah, so I'd be, I'd really be looking for like, and I'll, I'll say that it's just marketing specific. I'd be looking for that hybrid person who uh, really has like a, a good ops mind frame, but also can lean into programs and um, understand like, how to build something that, that can drive some sort of um, acquisition, whether that's through your own database or outside to, um, to help with PLG experimentation. Got it. An awesome builder. Very cool. Um, what or growth product marketing, et cetera, does PLG belong in? Gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's got the word product in it and it's got the word growth in it. So um, product comes first. So I, I think the most important um, like owner is product. If they are trying to make a product that is going to lead to growth. Um, and then I think the second most important is going to be marketing and in, in the, the, the wider revenue org to understand the, the full implications and how to craft the journey together. Gotcha. Um, what product data do you wish you had easier access to? Oh gosh. Um, we have quite a bit of product data. Um, probably, probably more product data around um, individual users and when they're added and subtracted. Mm, so there's the flows of like kind of trends, how it's going. Yep. Got it. Awesome. Um, you think it's easier to succeed or fail with PLG and kind of why? I, <laughs> it's a heated question. I think it's probably easier to fail because um, most startups and um, company resources are not uh, endless. And I think if you put too many chips in the PLG motion without really knowing, you could be jeopardizing your larger growth strategy. Okay. What team has it the hardest when implementing a PLG strategy? And why do you think so? <laughs> um, I'd say it's probably the marketing um, team and, you know, more than anything, probably marketing ops. I think um, marketing ops gets pulled into a lot um, around sales, around CS, around marketing at large. And I think uh, the PLG side is like another thing that gets added into that and um, continues to complicate and make the, the journey even um, more complicated. 
Got it. And what's next for your kind of product-led journey or strategy? What do you kind of want to accomplish from like a, almost like a wishlist standpoint? Yeah, for for me and for the the company, we're really looking at, you know, what is the what is that like in product experience mean, and and how does that um, contribute to, you know, bigger and bigger successes for our customers, um, so that it complements uh, adoption and and retention. And then last question, one of the most important. Um, who or what other like PLG expert or person have you kind of looked up to that we should interview next? Gosh. Um, I mean, I've always followed um, Kyle from OpenView. Um, that's probably mm -hmm. one of like the the biggest PLG minds out there that that I see on my feed almost regularly. Don't know if you've interviewed him, but would be a good one. Awesome. We'll, we'll see what we can accomplish. Um, anything else? Um, we have a last few minutes. Any kind of like parting thoughts, anything else that's top of mind that we didn't talk about that you'd like to plug in? No, I would just tell everyone that's listening. Um, PLG is amazing. It's a journey. It's a, um, I'd say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And the best thing that you can do is be intellectually curious when you're getting involved in it. Um, ask a lot of questions. Don't be afraid to push back a little bit to make sure that you're keeping um, the customer journey and the ultimate outcome um, top of mind. Got it. And Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you after? Uh, I'm, I can be found on LinkedIn. I'm there uh, every day, even Saturday and Sunday. Um, just uh, type in Daniel Brunn and, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you.